Adding the choice of a crispy chicken BLT to Wendy's 4 for 4 is the biggest thing since rappers trying to sing. I got me out and I sound like a robot. But do you like the sound of this? Wendy's 4 for 4 now comes with a choice of a junior bacon cheeseburger or a crispy chicken BLT. From Detroit to Macon, I keep the crisp like bacon. Both are topped with crispy applewood smoked bacon and come with four nuggets, fries, and a Coke for just four bucks. Oh, yeah. And participating Wendy's for a limited time. Meal includes small fries and a drink. Not valid in Alaska and Hawaii. Life. Are you growing with it or feeling left out? Either way or in between, you're in the right place today with the host of Change Already, Your Future, Your Choice, Jillian. She's an award-winning author and radio personality. She's warm, she's fuzzy, and she's got an attitude. Welcome back. I'm Jillian Moss-Backman. We are in the throes of summer once again. You know, and I recently relocated from the Midwest over to the East Coast, and I have to be honest with you, I am having a ball exploring the East Coast. I'm a mid Midwest girl and really haven't spent that much time over here. But I'm amazed of the short jaunts if I go a couple hours this way, a couple hours that way. I can be to the mountains or I can be to the coast. So I'm looking forward to the weekends as they come and I'm planning. But during the week, I decided I would do something different and start a series called Summer Series with Jillian. I hope you're able to follow along. I started last week with my first show on who is Jillian, really? What? Who is she? You know, I get that question more often than you would even know. But anyway, I started with who is Jillian and why do you need to know her? And if you weren't able to listen to it last week, that's the graciousness and wonderfulness of podcasting nowadays versus old-time radio where I started, you can go back and listen to that at JillianMossBackman.com, and that's J-I-L-L-I-A-N-M-A-A-S-B-A-C-K-M-A-N.com. And if you were listening, I decided I'd have a sidekick for the summer, one of my dearest friends and also my publicist, Delilah Jones. Good morning, Delilah. Well, hello, hello again. Yes, we we really had a great time on the first show, and I think, you know, as we go on, we're having fun with some serious topics and getting serious about some funny topics, and um, I'm really excited about this this whole series that uh, is going to brighten up the summer. I know. I got a lot of comments and feedbacks from that show, and it sounded like we were really having fun and a happy time. We always have a good time, Delilah. <laughs> I don't know what we they're do. thinking. Even when we're just sitting around on the beach or just talking on the phone. Let me introduce the subject, the subject we're going to be talking this week and the, the uh, title of the show we're doing this week, which is Intuition and Leadership Development, Why It is Necessary. My career, if you listened last year, has taken evolution to all different things, and I was really into my children and growing them and making sure they were well-established, and one of the things that I realized when I was working with my kids is I really like kids. Now, I'm not talking the little ones. I actually like the more challenging older ones from like middle school up. 
my children in particular really gave me an opportunity to expand into an area of intuition and leadership and where the next generation is going. And so I learned a lot during those developmental times with my own kids and realized that I wanted to take my career into the next step, which is figure out how I can help and encourage other people of future leaders in the colleges and young kids and tech schools and wherever they are in the world right now, and how to use intuition as a tool of part of their leadership and management styles. When I started down that path, go ahead. Sorry, Delilah, go ahead. <laughs> well, I was just going to ask a question for, you know, my benefit and the listener's benefit mm. is, you know, what do you find the difference between an audience of, of college-aged um, young adults and maybe an older audience that you may have spoken to in the past? Where, where do you find the difference in the – is it more interactive? Is Do you have to speak to them differently? Um, what What comes out in one audience that maybe doesn't come out in another? When I started working with kids and the challenges that that opportunities that you get from there versus an older crowd, when you're looking at what's going on in the world, and I hate to bring this up, pardon me, but the political aspect of things, when you look at the older crowd and what's going on with them, it's a very blaring example of how everybody is settled in their belief systems, probably about the age 30, 32. They start getting into a pattern of what they believe in and how they believe the world should look and different ideologies. And when I started in the intuitive side, I started with that group and I made great headwake, and I have a lot of awakened adults that work with me. But if you can see now, it's very hard to change someone's ideology, belief systems, and thought process in this regard for decision-making if you're a, let's say, a grown adult over 30. What I found with the kids nowadays is that They've gone through the next evolution. In other words, there's a lot of adults that are awakened and starting into the intuitive path and seeing how important it is, but they're still very timid about using it on a daily basis. When I started working with the kids, I noticed they have this awakeness that's different than, than adults. If you look at patterns throughout the world and are decades back, it's the young kids that bring up the changes in the realities. And I really wanted to be a part of those changes because I've always felt different as an adult, but I find a great cohesiveness and an inclusion in that group. Does that make sense? It does. And, and I think that's a very interesting point. And I feel like maybe at that particular age group, they haven't been spoiled by so many life experiences that we <laughs> older people do. And, you know, there's more 
of an innocence is still there, even though, you know, they may be approaching their early 20s, there's still that bit of innocence, childlike innocence that's left that the world hasn't spoiled yet. Yeah, I agree with that. And the other word I would add to that, Delilah, is hope. They still believe in the American dream. They still believe. Now, here's the difference, however. They do have an edge to them. Don't get me wrong. They have an edge to them, as probably most generations in the past, feel that they have the right path of where the world needs to go next and how they fit in in a leadership role. So you do have to know your stuff. I mean, these are, if you're going to go in and you're going to start working with young kids, you better know your stuff and you better have a plan of action that they can follow or they, or you won't make it. You just won't make it. Well, I'm sure they're not too shy about calling you out. (laughs) (laughs) As were my children. (laughs) Right, right. But there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think if you are confident in what you know that you want to teach, because I, I cannot tell you the dozens of adults that work in leadership, and there's many good ones, don't get me wrong, but they all want to tap into that group because of exactly what we're talking about, which is they're willing to learn. They already have an intuitive base to them. They work out of intuition, meaning they work more from their gut sometimes than they do their logic. And so they have a nice balance between people, but you just don't get through the gate without proving yourself to that group. Well, I think I think they also have the ability to see through you to see through the BS that's being presented. They can pick up on that pretty quickly. Don't you feel that way? I absolutely feel that way. And I like it that way because in a strange way, Delilah, it filters out the people that aren't quite as committed to what their belief system's in or what they're teaching to the world. It's a natural way of sifting through the ones that really are here to do the job they're doing. Like, I really believe that I'm called to go talk and teach these children on leadership and intuition. I have a depth inside of me, in my core, that feels right to do that. And I didn't feel like I needed to do that until my kids were settled in on their own. Because that means you have to travel and be with the groups. They're not going to come to you. You have to go to where they congregate and be a part of their process. Well, in, in we're putting all of this program together, and I know I know you've worked long and hard to do this. Why do you think that, you know, the gut, the intuition has been left out of the leadership development equation? I mean, like you say, there there are tons and tons of leadership developers out there and coaches and whatever you want to call them. But up until now, I don't see anyone really addressing how to develop your intuition to develop your leadership abilities. 
Well, I work with my partner, Jan Bilgen, who is a career and development uh, professional in the university systems. And we've been watching this for a long time. And we both really came to the conclusion that old paradigms of how we made leaders and how the, the characteristics that you need to be a leader in the world has been changing from an old paradigm to a new paradigm. And in the old paradigm, it was very binary. In other words, logic and intuition were encapsulated on their own. In other words, you either made a decision completely by logic or you completely made it by intuition. Now, we don't use the word intuition. A better word, like you said, is from the gut or just a feeling. And what's happening that, and you know, in the old statement, it's either my way or the highway and this dominating stuff we're seeing out in politics right now works for the old guard and the way leadership represented itself versus the new way, which is team building, more bold and balanced decision making. And it really expands into teamwork versus one person making a decision for everyone and not thinking about the team that they're leading ahead. Well, don't you kind of see a lot of this going on in maybe some of the tech companies like Google and Microsoft and and the, the companies in Silicon Valley who have actually built their facilities around I, – I, th- I think it's more of a team effort where everyone is – instead of being compartmentalized into little cubicles or offices, it's more of an open space where everyone is interactive. Um, I kind of see that type of situation uh, that would be very conducive to this type of leadership development, don't you? Absolutely. And if you take it one step from there, think about the family structures that these kids, the future leaders are coming from. It's the same kind of ideology. It's teamwork. It's, you know, inspiration rather than tearing down. So from the family structure that they came to, the industries like you're talking about are starting to actually incorporate that as a part of their ideologies of decision making. Because they've learned along the way that these kind of things inspire people to be better employees, to be better leaders, to be to play better with each other. And you're right, Google is a perfect example. In fact, I was talking to a friend of mine who has this new job and he was telling me he was all excited and he was laughing because they it's a huge corporation. It's a world corporation, okay? And they have nap pods. And they begin with meditation. And he's one of these typical people that I was talking about earlier that is in the fringes of understanding. But now he's actually working with a huge global corporation that lives their life like this in their everyday life at work. <laughs> he was having trouble. That sounds, that sounds like a great place to work. <laughs> And I think it, that's it, the whole key is, is yeah. you know, 
history has shown that people in corporations or companies have not been loyal. It used to be you would get into a company and retire with that company and get your pension and retire. But it's not been that way for quite some time. And I think at one point, the longest that people stayed with one company was like two years and they were looking to move. So I think it's a matter of matching that environment with, um, you know, with the skill set that you're teaching. And that I think will be a huge shift in the way that we do business. Absolutely. And that brings me to the new paradigm that we were talking about, which is, cooperative effort, building an environment that people want to work with each other, want to come to work, they want to be engaged with each other. And, you know, that includes emotional feelings and things. I mean, you know, back in the day, we didn't talk about how we feel about things. And talking about your gut in the industry or in in making a decision from your gut was like, you know, taboo and crazy. And nowadays, these kids are so used to using their own intuition, using their gut. It's the logic part they're trying to figure out how it works in with, I just feel like going here. And if two years is where I need to go, be at one company and then move to another, so be it. They don't have a problem with that. No, not at all. Well, what what do you see as the barriers, Um, the barriers for, let's say, this graduating class coming out of college, coming into the real world where, you know, they let's say they've they've gone through your program and they've learned and and they're actually practicing. What are they going to run into when they get into reality, so to speak? Well, one of the things that I want to talk about is that when we say about intuition and leadership development, I'm not talking just about being involved as a leader in a company. Leadership roles in life mean you're a leader in your church, you're a leader in your synagogue, you're a leader in your community. You're a leader of a family. So leadership nowadays applies to everything. I think people get caught up in understanding that when you use the word leadership development, it just means if you're not going to be a leader in a group, if you're not going to be a chief and you're just going to be an Indian, you don't need to have those skills. So when they go through the program that Jan and I talk about, on leading with facts and intuition and getting an edge when they're out there, they need to understand how to use this kind of information between logic and intuition as a continuous of action. You know, the challenge is nowadays, how do you get yourself noticed? Got all these people applying for the same thing. How do you present yourself in possibly an interview point of view or even a relationship point of view? How do you come across as a whole person rather than pieces of yourself? So we talk about how to bring all of that together and present yourself into wherever you're going in the next phase of your life 
as a whole individual, meaning you can work for yourself and your own goals, but you also can visualize yourself and be a part of the team. And I think that's so essential when kids get out there. A lot of times the the uh, challenges they face is that the social norm is still saying this is odd. You know, you don't have to go out there and acknowledge that you're using your intuition because there's a lot of people that still don't get it, still don't want to acknowledge that it's a skill or don't know how to use it. And so you have to be very careful on how you present yourself. The other part to the story is, let me, the other part to the story is then they get very egotistical about their own intuition. So when they go out in the world, they think they have the answers over somebody else that's working next to them because they have learned how to harness the decision-making process of intuition and logic together. So it's one or the other, whether they find social norms, it's not accepted, or they get this what I call Hollywood effect meaning that they think they're better than everybody else because of the decisions they're making are coming from a place that nobody else can get. They really have to work on their ego balance of understanding we all have it, we're all able to use it, but you can't use the information that you get intuitively over the abuse of others. That's really interesting. And I would think, too, I would think if they're developing this skill, which I I think it is a skill, almost kind of an innate skill that we all have that needs to be developed. And I think it would also do serve them well to know that they're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Maybe maybe this job isn't for me or maybe this relationship isn't for me. So uh, listening to that inner voice will turn them away from something that might be negative or something that might be dangerous and hopefully put them on a better path. Of understanding your intuitive gut and how it works for you. And so in these seminars that we give across college campuses, we teach them to understand how to use it when to use it and when to back off on it and how you get the information and apply it to your own self and your team members around you. The other first part that we talk about in intuition and leadership development is diversity. I know that people don't understand that, that, uh, that uh, link between the two, but the reality is we are living in a diverse society. And that's a wonderful thing. And there are some different cultures that are way, way ahead of us using their gut in making decisions versus logic. And we have a lot to learn from other diverse people around us. The other part that I like about intuition is that people don't talk about this much is it does bring a level of compassion and feeling, just a gut feeling of love and source and hope for other people. We always talk about getting the gut decisions and where, you know, what car am I supposed to buy and what what business I'm supposed to be in. 
But when you start talking about diversity, there's a part of our intuition and our gut, that sense that comes from the soul part of ourselves that learns to integrate people rather than pushing them away. When you start working with intuition and leadership development, you can't pick and choose who you're going to work with. And we talk about how the unconscious biases that we have sometimes come out through intuitive thoughts and feelings. So we have to balance our conscious thought, which is logic, also with our intuitive compassion and empathy we have for others. So it's not just making decisions, it's how to live together and be prosperous together in the groups that we formed in our own inner circles. Well, do you find in in the presentations and, and seminars that you've done, and I know, you know, you've been to some of the best universities in the country. I know you've worked with people at Elon University, mm-hmm. University of Wisconsin and so forth, but do you find is there sometimes almost a fear? Do do people have a fear of what their own intuition is going to tell them? I I would have to answer that question by saying yes. And I think that is a good point in that people are so afraid of what they know whether that's consciously or unconsciously, they completely shut the door to that part of their their being. And when you do that, you work on a half-empty tank. In other words, parts of ourselves that are intuitive have that compassion, have that feeling, have that hope of working and going forward in a more positive fashion when you close that door to fear of it, you really shut off a part of yourself that can grow into a very compassionate, elevated leader. I just got off the phone with another really good friend of mine who totally embodies what we're talking about. He's been able to integrate the love that he has for people the quietness that he has found in his own intuitive sense and his logic and his experience into running a corporation that's very, very big. And he's done it several times. And the more that he gets into this, we've talked about, the more that he realizes that it's an essential part of running businesses in the world today. It's it's extremely important. And if you're too afraid to do it, you need to take a look at that. You need to ask well, yourself. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that the title, the title of um, your whole program, Get the Edge, says so much because like you spoke about earlier, kids coming out of college now have got to have an edge because there is so much competition out there for whether it's a job or whether, you know, no matter what it is, there's a lot of competitive action being done in our world today. And this definitely gives them that edge. If they're not learning about 
what's inside of them and how to harness it and how to process it and how to use it out in the world, then you're going to have that edge. Absolutely. And one of the things that I've noticed is that, like you mentioned, I've, Jan and I and myself personally have spoke at all different kind of colleges, you know, the higher end ones, the private ones, the, you know, the university ones. But we've also talked to technical schools, Delilah. And I'm going to tell you something. I've noticed something different between the technical college students and the regular college, four-year college students. The tech school students are usually older. They've been around the block. And at some level, they have been unconsciously tapping into this stream of intuition we're talking about because they've had to. Because when you're in a four-year college, it gets what I call logic heavy. In other words, from kindergarten to college end, we're just hitting the logic, the knowledge, the numbers, the reading, the math hard. Like that's what we drive into our kids. But then the minute you graduate, you have to find your own way in the world. And it's not always logic driven. So if you can learn to balance, and I go back to the tech students, they have learned to balance at some level how to maneuver in the world by what comes to them through their gut, but also have learned that logic is a part of where they need to go next. And the college students, they have a disadvantage because they haven't had the chance to do it all the time. And I'll give you an example. When you pick a major in college, you go to all these different schools. You look at everything. You look at the numbers. You look at the professors. You look at the classes, and you look at the degrees. At some point in that whole research, you have to come to this moment in time where your gut says yes or your gut says no. That once moment where you've exhausted everything and you just have to trust something inside of you that says, yes, this is what we're supposed to do. This is the spark we're talking about in our, in our Get the Edge series. Go back to that and expand it into what you need to do for the next phase of your life. Delilah? Yeah, here I am. <laughs> where where do you... <laughs> Sorry. Oh, did, I, did I send you off in a tangent? I just kind of went... No, 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 not at all. No, I I guess my question is, and, and maybe um, thinking, thinking at a college level, I know, you know, your head is in a million different places. You're, you're thinking about so much. You, you really have a lot of pressure on you. And um, so where do you think 
they find this balance. Where's the balancing point between what they're, let's say, like you talked about, being pounded with logic things and, and different classes that they have to take for their major, and then the the freedom to to think and and to act on on what's inside and what your inner voice is telling you where's the balancing point there well if we're specifically talking about college kids and and any kind of college kids or kids in general when you're in a setting like that there's a pretty logical program you go through in other words you have to take this class and that class where you can start expanding in your own intuitive knowledge and following your gut and adding that into a continuous uh, decision-making process is the relationships that you develop, possibly the clubs that you join, your jobs that you use outside of college is a perfect place to start training yourself to use this training guide as you go forward. So when you get out of the confinements of college or wherever, you don't get dropped on your head. (laughs) You know, you don't get to your first job and go, okay, now we'd like you to make decisions. So what personal steps do you recommend um, college age kids take I I mean, I I don't think any of this is in a textbook, so you can't, like, take your little highlighter and highlight what you're (laughs) supposed to do to be able to, um, you know, to tap into that resource that's already there. Uh, What personal steps can they take? Because, like you said, there's no class that's teaching this other than what you and Jen have pulled together so how do you how do you explain it to them? Where once you're finished with with your seminar presentation, where do they go from there? That's a really good question. And one of the things that we encourage them is to go very slow. You know, it's like a new toy. You get something and you just want to play with it all the time, and you and you never want to put it down. And you're so excited because you found something new that's different because you're right. Everyone's own intuition is different than the next guys or gals. You can't explain it to somebody. You can only give a map or guidance on how to get to it, which is what we try to do. And we are very successful at mapping out a way that you can tap into it. And the first thing that we always talk about, which is rather cliche, but so, so true, I go back to my friend getting his new job in this huge corporation. They start every meeting with a small meditation. Now, don't panic by the word meditation because I prefer to call it quality, quiet time with yourself. I tell students, and Jan and I, stress the point that getting quiet is an essential part of everyone's day. Now we see it in older people because they're just bloody exhausted between children, family, money, time. And so they've done it by default. And what we're telling these students and the young people that we're working with 
is that learn to incorporate the quietness in your day, whether that's in the morning before you start, in the afternoon at your position of where you're at, shut your door and take five to six minutes at your desk getting quiet. By getting quiet, what happens is it resets the body, the mind, and the spirit to what needs to go. I do a seminar that talks about how you can recalibrate your day. If you've had a bad day in the morning, how you can recalibrate yourself at lunch to start the second part of your day off in a different direction. So getting quiet. The second part we always encourage them is to start very slow. When you're using your own intuitive thoughts or your ideas that come to you, you've got to learn to test the waters. You know, a lot of people come to me and say, well, I got this big message that I should moon to Cucamonga, start over and live in a tent. What do you think? <laughs> and I'm like, well... Well, I think that kind of goes to the intuitive interpretation. Um, Absolutely. You know, some of the interpretations of of this gut feeling you're having may not be socially acceptable. Correct, or even logical to do. We're not asking people to throw away their logic, and I think that's where the old paradigm is: is that it's either one way or the other. And what we're saying is use your intuition and your logic together to make wise choices. And so in that respect, I would say, well, I don't know if you really need to take a tent, move to Kongamu or wherever and start over. How about we break it down in pieces? Why don't you get a tent? (laughs) Why don't you pitch a tent somewhere and sit in it for a while where close proximity of where you're at and then see where that leads you because intuition is a journey. It's, it's an evolution that builds on itself. And I think that people get so excited when they start acknowledging that the messages are real and they want to do them that, like you said, there has to be some parameters of rationality to it. Well, I think that's probably what the general public doesn't understand. This isn't just a, you know, free for all, go do what you want to do, whatever comes to your mind. Um, and like earlier, we said there's a balance there and it has to be pulled together and woven into each other so that the correct decisions for yourself are made. Well, and remember, we're talking about intuition in leadership development. So if you make bold decisions, which I encourage people to do, and Steve Jobs is a perfect example of that when he was running Apple, he would make bold decisions, but he would do it in a way that was reasonable and ethical, and a way that could be successful. So when you're talking about a leadership, you're not only talking about decisions you're making for yourself, but decisions you're making for a team. And when you're working with a team, moving, pitching a tent and moving to so-and-so is not going to be good for the team for which you are leading. 
So you Makes have great to learn. Sense. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you have to learn how to a incorporate those ideas into fruition, and b give it sensibility. I think this is where when people say, well, I've got an idea and this is where my creative mind is going and let's do it. Well, you can't do it without a plan. We're not saying when you're a leader, give up a plan because your intuition tells you to do so. We're telling you to incorporate both of those ideas and observe what's going on before you jump and make decisions. Exactly. And again, finding that balance and pulling it all together is is kind of the thrust of everything and building on it. I I think, do you, and you probably see this a lot with all of the different clients that you work with, someone who gets so excited about it that they don't know what to do with it all. They don't know what to do with what they're hearing inside or what they're feeling inside. And I think to reiterate reiterate the point, it is something that has to go very slowly and be woven into all of the other decision-making things that you've learned, whether it be in school or through life, life processes. Absolutely. And we're talking about young people here, the specifically leadership development for young people. So when you add the power of your own intuition, which it has great power in and of itself, these kind of young people don't have the life experiences like we do to know how to present it to the world. So there is some naivete there when they get these powerful messages and we give them a track on how to use it. And I'll give you an example. We do a seminar, Jan and I, on new hires and how to get yourself into the door using intuition and logic, how to present yourself with both aspects of yourself during the interview process And then what do you do after you're done with it? And we do it a 30-day, 60-day, and a 90-day out kind of scenario. So for the first 30 days, most hires and young people are under auspices of another leader. So they're told what to do. They know how to do it. They're given the tools on how to do it. That 30 mark and the 60 day mark, then what happens is you're basically on your own. They tell you the tools logically of how to do it, but at some point in that 60 day mark, it doesn't matter what you're doing, you have to stand in your job by yourself alone, making your own decisions, making your own thoughts making your own way in the corporation or family or anything else. It's those 60 crucial days after you get in the door that you have to figure out how to maneuver. And that means, you know, if you come across somebody that's a gossiper in the corporation or the place that you're living and your gut tells you to stay far, far away from that, 
how do you maneuver out of that when your gut's telling you, I don't want to be a part of this group, but yet it's a part of the whole social economic thing that's going on in a corporation. It's those little nuances that I think young kids don't have experience into, but yet Jan and I are able to show them in a blueprint form, logically, how to integrate all of this into new leadership patterns. Well, I think, too, for the, you know, for the benefit of people who are listening to this um, episode, let them know how they can bring this to their college or university, whether they be a student or a um, event planner. Um, and it's not just colleges, right? I mean, you, you do this presentation for other organizations. Absolutely. I mean, because of the background that Jan has and the background that I have, we work with lots of corporations because it's it's an interesting time to be in leadership development in particular out in the communities because every corporation is looking for an edge now. And one of the things that really is high on their want list is teaching people social cues. And when you're working with diversity and social cues and how to move things forward, there's nothing logically that anybody can teach their employer to do. So when we work with corporations or we work with colleges, we hit on those kind of things. And you know what? That crosses the board, Delilah. That, that, that just doesn't stop at the college door and when you get into a, a new evolution. That's with people that have been with the corporation forever, you know, and we're talking uh, – community organizations, we're talking everything. So the way that they can get a hold of us and book us through any kind of leadership development, we have all different kinds. I do some, Jan does some, Jan and I do some together. And we usually book out, you know, a half a day or a full day. And we can, they can get us and book us through Imagine Publicity, your corporation, you're the one that handles majority of our bookings because we're out doing the work and you're able to <laughs> put everything together. So could you tell people where to get a hold of you to talk about us? Absolutely. And I, I enjoy doing it. I really do. Um, you can reach me at Thank my you. phone number, which is area code 843-808-0859. That's 843 808 0859, or it's usually best to email me uh, at contact at imaginepublicity.com. And there is a leadership development page on my website as well. You can go there too at jillianmossbackman.com. And so we're pretty easy to find, but we love doing it together because Jan and I have been working on this project for a long time. And, you know, here's the thing. We've been talking about this intuitively and logically for a long time, Delilah, but we knew timing is everything. In other words, I had to wait for the message to come through on timing. And so it's the time now. And not only timing for us, but timing for the message. Right, you know, people, I think it's... 
time we have to we have to follow along that path of timing for the message to be received as well if you just go out and talk about it and no one's listening and i think that leads me to to another question for you and and about about this whole presentation is is the takeaway for the students um you know we talked earlier about your recommendations to them, but is there also a way that they can follow up with you or follow up with Jan um, at a time after uh, the class is over? Well, absolutely. And one of the things that we have learned along the way is that every one of our sessions is interactive. So if you're coming to one of our seminars or our lectures or our interactive uh, presentations, you will be participating. <laughs> so it's not one of those talking head things because as we've learned along the way, the best way of learning for people is to do it. Now, we have simple exercises and things that we do in the class and we don't embarrass people we don't call out people and you'd be amazed how many people want confirmation that their intuition and their inner knowing and their messages are real that's what we find a lot so when we when we work we use those things in the setting of the gathering to hone in on how to use those. So when they leave, they're able to tap into that feeling, the essence, the sense of what they're getting inside of themselves, body cues of what tell them, what's telling them that they need to listen within. So when they leave, they're able to jumpstart themselves and make it on their own. Now, the part about that is that, of course, we're available afterwards because a lot of times what we do is Jan and I or myself by myself with a student, a person that's changing their direction in business, we actually have private sessions that we do that Jan and I and myself work together to create a abstract plan of what they need to do next, step by step by step. It's really extraordinary because I use my intuitive part, which is one of my best assets as an intuitive on the business side and relationship side. And Jan is able to bring in her career development aspect. And it's a powerful moment. I mean, it is an hour filled with assignments, exercises, paths, knowledge you know more about yourself, and each one of them is different. So it is kind of best if they follow up one-on-one, -on -one, they get the, a little more attention rather than in a class setting. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's reasonable. I mean, it's it's a reasonable amount to put into and I think that's a part of what we're trying to do you know a lot of people a lot of kids go to uh, career development people but they don't get the kind of information that intuition and an intuitive part adds to and elevates 
their own path. And I love it. Jan and I love it. We we love working together and we love sharing our knowledge of what we've learned with young people or anybody else, you know, anyone who wants to get bigger, better, and move forward. And you also, they also can contact you through Skype or set up something that way. It's not something that they have to, you have to actually meet in person. No, they. that's right. Um, we can do it through uh, Skype, uh, interview chats, and, you know, we can do it one-on-one. We can do it with the three of us. Absolutely. And that's part of the the vision. You know, sometimes I like doing it that way because the it's so focused and everyone has to listen to what's going on. You know, there's not other things in the room or you know, people passing by. It's more about let's take it all in and get very focused. So, yes, absolutely. Good question. Well, I I can imagine it's a very popular program. It really is because, you know, one of the things that leadership development people have told us, and especially recruiters, we work with people that hire other people, you know, and nowadays that's such a hard thing to do when you have a hundred people applying for one job. You know, it's not just the people that are looking for the job. It's the people that are hiring the person for the job. We work on that end too, because I know that you have been, and I have both been on the employer's side and at some point, you just kind of have to trust your gut on what what's going through that. But how do you really questions that come from the gut side rather than the logic side? Wouldn't you say that when you hire people? Oh, right. And I'm, I've hired many, many people over the years. And you're right. I, I look... I always looked at several things on an application. Of course, you have to look at their background and look at their experience. But it's that one-on-one interview that tells the whole story. Is how how do you communicate with this other person on that level? I mean, they can sit there and tell you things, but what are you really hearing? And what is what is embellished? What isn't? Um, so yeah, it's it's very important when. You're on the other end. I think we've been talking so much about the students and going out and finding jobs and and looking for leadership positions that it's good to look at the other side. If you're looking for that perfect candidate, your logic isn't going to find them all by itself. You know, and, and that's so true. And as an employer, there are nuances that you can look at intuitively through that gut part of yourself that doesn't present itself. In other words, I'll give you an example. The mere thing that people wear into a interview. Now, there's protocol for that, but you can look at certain aspects of how they present themselves in nonverbal language, which we've always, everybody talks about nowadays, body language, and how they look in colors. 
you know, for instance, a lot of people, if you wear black to an interview or if you came to me and you wore all black, it would be a sign to me. Something inside my gut would say, okay, there's something not dark, but something that's being hidden. It's my responsibility to know how to feel about that intuitive thought that I'm getting and how to pull it out of the interviewing process. It's those little things that we talk about, even when you're in a team building situation, or if you're working with a leadership role and you can't quite get to somebody, how to lead and read both the conscious and unconscious parts to communicate at a level that gets what you need to have done. Very long winded well, answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, it need it it was a very good answer. But Thank what you. in speaking with these people, what what is what do you leave with them as far as the expected results of uh combining the logic and intuition when making decisions? What should they expect? Or is is that is that even able to be answered because it probably is something different for everyone? You know, here's the reality, Delilah. Basically, everybody's all the same. We all eat the same. We all take showers. We all have friends. We all have relationships. We all have jobs. And at some point, you have to figure out what your shining star is in all of that. That doesn't come from logic, and it doesn't come from more schooling. It comes from an intuitive part of yourself, the spirit part, the spirit meaning who are you? And until you're able to tap in on that, And we talk about, you know, you're going to graduate, you're going to go out in the world, there's going to be 27,000 people with the exact same degree you have. How and what makes you different? And it's that intuitive sparkle that I believe everyone has. And how to harness that intuitive sparkle and make it glow in the universe and that it gets you to the place of being successful both publicly and privately in your own life. So when they leave, our hope is that we have been able 